Today I'm speaking to former Man United footballer Ian Fitzpatrick. How's it going, mate? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Just, uh, yeah, work as normal. And, um, yeah, here I am now. So, how's your day been so far? I know off air you said you're struggling a bit at the minute with a bit of COVID and stuff. Yeah, unfortunately I've got a bit of COVID. I've had a tough month. So, I went away with work to Abu Dhabi, caught the flu, come back, a couple of weeks off and now I've got COVID. So, yeah, I'm on lockdown. <laughs> nice. lockdown. You mentioned work then. You mentioned that you were. I can, slow down. I can slow down a bit, so it's not too bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand. I understand. So you mentioned work then. You mentioned you were abroad in in Abu Dhabi. So talk to us. What's work look like nowadays? Yeah. So um, I am a former United player and a United fan. So I work on the blue side. Well, I have done for the last ten years, uh, which is a bit a bit a bit weird, but. Um, yeah, it's it is, it's an amazing place. Uh, I'm very fortunate that you know I'm surrounded around good people and good resources and good players. Um, and I, and sort of my role is sort of head of coaching for the pre academy um, and City Select, which is I sort of work with a team of people to recruit the best players within our catchment area to put them in in the academy at the start of the journey. Okay. Um, and also I do little bits across other age groups as well. So yeah, I'm still involved in football, um, but giving it back now instead of, instead of playing. Yeah, what what's it like on the other side of the fence, obviously being a player for, for such a long time and then obviously making that step up to obviously coaching and stuff, what you're doing at the moment? Um, I, To be honest, I never thought I'd be a coach. I think everyone says that. You just kind of like gravitate towards it. It's, it's you know, somebody, has, somebody always told me, if you're good at something, you should do it. And um, I'm fortunate I've been around, you know, in the, in the football game for a long time now, um, obviously as a player and when we was at the Little Shaw as well, you know, all the yeah. all many moons ago. Um, <laughs> and it just, I just sort of gravitated into it. I kind of finished playing around about 29, 30, um, sort of self-retired myself a little bit. Um, I, I was going to go abroad to play over in Singapore. My missus at the time, uh, we just had a child. Um, and then obviously, while I was waiting for that to clear, uh, found out I was having triplets. So it was kind of like, it kind of like changed the whole dynamic of where I was. Mm. I was still in and around at Shrewsbury Town and I'd just been paid up or I was on loan. And I just decided, you know, I needed a change. I needed to find some more stability, some more consistency, because ultimately you're not going to, at 30, you're not going to get the, you're not going to move back into the into the top levels. So mm. your, your journey really is, from them ages or at that level, um, it's just grabbing contracts here and there and, and working your way through up and down the country. And it's not ideal when you've got a family. Um, so what I did is I sort of took a bit of time out. I had a bit of a back and a hamstring injury, took a bit of time out, went to university, um, did a degree in sports development and coaching, and that was a shock to the system. Mm. Um, I think that's the same for many people um, that, you know, play sport and, and, and focus on that. Going back into education was tough. And then I went into teaching, did my PG, uh, uh, PGDE um, and went to Manchester College for four years doing mm. BTEC and MBQ sports. And then for some strange reason, I think I was doing my B licence with a coach, uh, Gareth uh, Wally, mm. uh, ages ago. And he just recommended me and I somehow just ended up at City and it was just, it's just happened ever since that day, really. Mm. Well, you mentioned earlier that you kind of, 
you went back to the classroom, back into that environment of, of learning again. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you had some difficulties there. So what what exactly did you find difficult? I just don't know. You just first of all, it's sitting behind a desk or going to a library, library and reading and and writing and going back to the old school techniques because you know yourself when we was at Lillishaw, you know we didn't really do that much schoolwork. Then yeah. we only did about five or six GCSEs. Yeah. Um, then you when you your football club, you go to college and you do like a national, you know, an MVQ in leisure and tourism, and it's yeah. it was a tick box thing. And then you have like a window where you don't do anything for seven, eight, nine, ten years. So it's like anything else. If you don't do anything like that for so long and mm. technology changes, um, going back into that environment was really tough, really mm. tough. But oh. you know, at the time I had a you know, support with my family. Um, they helped me massively. So, mm. yeah, it made the transition a little bit easier. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned help there, and it's always important that you've got that support network, whether it be friends, family, or both, or even someone that you kind of maybe look up to. Um, talk to me about, like, your transition. I know you touched on it a little bit, but talk to me about that whole, like, the thought process. Obviously, you had triplets, and obviously that's changed your mindset. Naturally, that would do. Um, but talk to me about kind of stepping away from football and, like, hanging up your boots um, at that age, and, and how did it make you feel? It's, it's it's hard to explain. It's I think if you I think a lot of people have spoke about it. You just kind of do it and and leave and just mm. cut ties with it. But then many years later, it comes back as like not like grief, but like your your thoughts and your memories and all the other things. And you miss it. You miss it. And you are, even now, even though I'm involved in football and I'm coaching and I'm I'm on the pitch most days, you do miss that element of playing and. You know that being in and around you know your friends and teammates and you know getting success. So mm. for me, it was I knew the time was coming anyway. I was just drifting. I was up and down with with, with injuries, up and down with consistency, um, and then obviously you it was like fight or flight stuff. It was just I was it was fortunate how it happened because it just kind of like well that's what you've got to do. That's what I'm gonna have to do, mm. um, and I just went and did it. And it was there was no looking back after that really. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, it's interesting because I've spoken to so many people kind of on the podcast and just in general, um, and you get a mixture of kind of, yeah, I miss it, I miss the banter in the dressing room, or I miss just being around uh, teammates and stuff like that. And then you get a handful like myself who literally, I don't miss any element of it, really. Um, And I don't know why that is. Maybe because it was my choice to to kind of stop playing football. Uh, But again, everyone's different if if it's one of those situations where injury and then that's the end of it then that's obviously a slightly different scenario isn't it so yeah, yes, it yeah it's one of those things really um yeah, i think it's it, for me as well you know when you're in, a, in an amazing facility and you, and, you, and you go on the pitch and you see the grass and you see the nets mm. and you, see the, you know how, how everything's moved forward so advanced so forward mm. um you look and you think jesus imagine if it was back playing in them days. You know, yeah. we was at Lillishaw, we was carrying the mitre bags to the pitch. <laughs> and the balls are deep here. They'd probably kill you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now the balls are just unbelievable. You hit them and they just yeah. they fly. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just, um, you look back and you, you think to yourself, God, you know, we went to Norway and, you know, mm. the Cup and we went to Brazil and, and it's like, there's no pressure then. You didn't realise how lucky you was. Yeah, 100%. Unfortunately, so obviously, I, we did go to Norway and we won that tournament. And I remember scoring in the final as well. I think we I did. Together, 
it's me, you, and uh, Scotty Parker in the room together, weren't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. all right. The, the view was brilliant, but the room was crap. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I was selected to go to Brazil. Um, but if you remember, I did my back, so I couldn't go. Yeah. So I was, I was probably yeah. good. I remember people coming back afterwards saying, "Oh, there's a guy called Ronaldinho. He was like amazing." And I was like, "Okay." I know. <laughs> um, so we went. Yeah. We went to Brazil, and it was. I don't like flying anyway. Then uh, we started flying. It took about I don't know ten hours to get to to Sao Paulo. We spent uh, a little bit of time in Sao Paulo. Mm. Um, we played Sao Paulo's academy. I think you know we just landed, just arrived. It was just a, you know it was hot, and I think we got beat three 0 It was an unbelievable academy. We was playing older, mm. um, and then we had to get an internal flight from Sao Paulo to a place called Londrina. We mm. had to fly to the jungle or something, and the plane was like this. Bam, bam. <laughs> And I remember being sick in this doggy bag. And yeah. this old thing was rubbing me back. And it was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> when you start speaking about it, it all just starts coming back to you. Yeah, yeah. We played in their sort of uh, one of their stadiums and they were just, they just moved the ball so so much better, so much more, you know, more efficient. Mm. I think it was 3-1 in the end or something like that. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. The sad, the sad thing is we didn't have no social media then, no cameras, no nothing. Mm. So there's no real evidence of, yeah, look, you can show your kids all this. I don't, I don't even think there's anything out there even existed. No, yeah, mate. Imagine if there was, because obviously we were the cream of the crop, and then obviously yeah. for you to say you went there and they were just yeah. another level again. It's just yeah. scary. Um, talk to me about your transferable skills then. So, what what do you think you've taken from being a professional footballer for all those years, and then obviously going into coaching and that side of now? What what transferable skills have you taken from there? I think for me, it's it's personality and um, you know the social side of it. Mm. And I will speaks around you know the physical, the technical side, or the, the, the football stuff. But the actual psych, the psychological, and the, and the social side of it is such, such an important thing. Handling yourself in the change room, mixing with peers, you mm. know, getting into confrontation, um, resolving matters, you know. Uh, building up resi- resilience and and work ethic and 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 being punctual and all these types of you know underlying skills that do form the base or the platform for any type of successful career. So you kind of like learning them and and having to deal with them daily without even knowing you're doing them. Mm. Um, and then it's just a case of when you actually transfer from your sport into the industry, can you then bring or find that knowledge that you've got mm. into the real world? And that's that's the challenge and. You know, fortunate. I think that one of my biggest areas is communication and 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 socially get on with people. So it helps massively in the role that I'm doing anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. And with regards to retirement, you remember back in our day, especially, it was always seen as like a bit of a negative conversation. Never really wanted to discuss it, and if you did, it was like mm, that's further down the line. Especially when I was speaking to like maybe older players and that, they never really wanted to engage with it. Um, what are your thoughts on retirement? Do you think it should be approached in a different way? Well, to be honest, I don't, I don't even think I've retired. I've not even signed anything to say I've retired. Mm. <laughs> Still playing the staff games. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think definitely. Yeah. I think you def you need a plan. Everybody needs a plan B. Um, mm. But getting into the mind of a young footballer that's that's so focused on preparation and training and performing, mm. and then getting them to have a another side angle or a side shift towards developing a career mm. or something away and run alongside is is very difficult. Um but I think it's so important. I really do. Mm. Um, 
I don't. Do you remember when we? I think when we first got to Lillyshaw, we sat in the auditorium, and, and I remember we was all sat there where the gymnast place was, mm. and I think it was Keith Blunt come in at the time, and he said, uh, "You're all sat here now. You, you, you know, all top players. You may think it, but there might be only there's only three or four of you that'll make it. The rest of you will be out of the game by the time you're 25." I was mm. like, "Jesus Christ!" But it's the, that's the reality. That's yeah. what happened. 100%. And at that time, we were 14, still wet behind yeah. the ears. And everyone's yeah. obviously you're buzzing because you've been selected to, to obviously or potentially selected to represent your country at the age of 14. And at that time, you're obviously thinking, well, I've got a career in the game, or hopefully. But then obviously to hear that, it, it used to send, like, send shockwaves down your back and stuff. It was, yeah, yeah, but in reality, it was true. And at the age of 14 to 16, whilst you are on paper cream of the crop, you're still obviously miles off where you need to be anyway, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. Um, but yeah, touching on Lillyshaw, obviously, for those that don't know, Lillyshaw was basically, um, you would basically represent your country from the age of 14 to, to 16. Uh, so we were basically the best players in, in the country, so to speak. Um, and you basically live um, in basically a massive uh, development a site. Um, <laughs> a so yeah, it was, um, yeah, you're obviously moving away from home at a young age, you're obviously starting a new school and it was a standard comprehensive school as well. So how did you find your experience obviously moving away from home? You're now living in kind of rural Shropshire, you obviously moved from, from up north Manchester way, yeah. new teammates, new school environment. <laughs> Like everybody else, it was tough. It was, it, you know, you, it was nerve wracking. You know, you're leaving home, you're leaving your friends, you're leaving all your comfort zone, mm. everything you know. And then you put into a group of 16 kids and you live in this, this sort of boarding house for two years. And you've got seniors who are a year older who intim are quite intimidating. <laughs> you then have to go to a different school, which is intimidating again. Mm. Um, so, again, these, these things you don't realize, but really develop coping strategies and resilience and, and, and put you out there. And I think that's what sort of gives you the platform for what you need when you're older as well. I mean, mm. I found it quite hard. And Alan, remember Alan Smith? Yeah. Alan Smith, he was in, he was there with us. And I think he only lasted a few months because it just, it mm. broke him down um, because of the, the, the pressure of it all. But, you know, when I look back though, I do look back with fond memories and I think to myself, God, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change anything again. You know, it was, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we we used to train every day, and li literally yeah. the standard was just ridiculous. When I when I went there, I obviously when I came up against like yourself, uh, like people like Paul Weecroft, Lee Cannaville, Scott Parker, and then the year above yeah. Michael Owen, Wes Brown, like Michael. Yeah. It was just another level. It, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So for me, it was an eye opener because I'd come from a, a scenario where I was like one of the best in in my area, or, or like let's call it the Midlands. Um, and even when I was at Nottingham Forest at the time, I was one of the best there. Um, but yeah, obviously different level. Uh, once, you create, once, you that, once you create that environment, with best with best, mm. and, and you've got you've got the best players training against the best players in, and playing in games and doing it daily, you're only going to improve. That's that's the culture that's created. And that's why, for me, Lillishaw was so successful. If you look at, you know, all the players that have been through the system there, they were producing three or four internationals every year. Yeah. Uh, Full-blown internationals. So, um, and then I moved away and went back into the clubs, that type of um, process about how to do things. And the clubs mm -hmm. are doing it now. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then obviously we've graduated at the age of 16 from Lily Shore and everyone goes their separate ways and they join their respective club <laughs> and you went back to, to Man United. And then obviously talk to me about your experience at Man United. Obviously Alex Ferguson at the home and then yeah. you've got obviously superstars literally everywhere. Um, yeah. How was that for you? Well, you know, when you leave Little Shaw, you just want to get back home, don't you? you? You've graduated and you think to yourself, just want to go home now and, mm-hmm. and, and get a time at home. Yeah. Um, so I went to United and obviously you, you get there and it's 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 just at the time where everything started to, to, to really move on with United. You know, they, they were involved in everything. They win the Premier Leagues. You know, the, some of the class of 92 were just coming into their sort of top level. Mm-hmm. Um and when you move there, you think to yourself, I'm in and around it. And it was, it was, an, it was amazing, you know, training and being around all these top players. And mm. sometimes we'd have like European games and Fergie'd call the reserves over and you'd, you'd have to be like set up like Juventus playing against that team. Mm. And I was inside you up front and you're playing against the likes of Yap Stam and Henningberg and Peter Schmeichel. And it was, when you look back, you think to yourself, what, it was unbelievable. Mm. The difficult thing was when we went to the clubs, you had to be, you had to be a man at eighteen. You had to be ready at eighteen, um, and it's different now. You you can't like have an EDS from seventeens to twenty threes. So mm. you're given like another five year window to develop. Mm. Whereas us players that weren't the biggest or the fit, most physical, um, we had to be ready at eighteen. Yeah. So for me to get into United's first team, I was in and around the reserves, and I was doing all right and training, and you know, and then. Fergie said to me, he pulled me into the office one day and said, you're going alone to South Africa for a year because um, we just signed Quinton Fortune in a deal. And I went yeah. out there because he had a partner club. And at the time, it was it was amazing. The experience was amazing. But in hindsight, if I'd have had good representation because it was my last year, if you sent out on year to do the club a favour, they should have honoured you with a year's contract to come back. Right. you're out of, sight, out of mind. Yeah. And I went out there and broke my arm and... Um, Kind of like it, kind of like wrapped things up the year after they sold Van Nistelrooy, and we. I remember going into the office and Fergie saying, "Look, your time's limited, and you won't get any game time, and there's players coming through, and there's, there's there was honestly there was that many forwards there at the mm-hmm. time. That's the ninety nine. It was the treble winning season. You could have filled the whole first team with forwards, you know. Honestly, unless there was an Ebola epidemic, mm-hmm. you were getting nowhere near it. You know, you had oh, Dwight yeah. York, Andy Cole, Terry Sheringham. Uh, Diego Forlan, Eric Nevland, um, David Ely, John Greening, me, uh, Alex Notman, Paul Wheatcroft. Honestly, it was it was ridiculous the level. Um, so it probably was a bad move to go from the national school to United because as a forward, you're going into a group of some of the world's best. But mm. you know, looking back, it was a decision I made. I have no regrets. You know, yeah. it was around some of the most exciting times the club's ever been through. So. Yeah, it was it was good but tough. That's crazy. I mean, you reeled off what six or seven kind of household names there, and you kind of look back and you think, well, what chance have you got? Like it, it must have been so difficult. And I'll be honest, at that time I didn't I didn't envy any of you guys because I I had no. my like situation, my situation was slightly different, but I was at Nottingham Forest and then like a few months into my apprenticeship I decided to leave and I ended up going to Leicester City. So Whilst they were in the Premier League, it was just a different kettle of fish. Um, and I just remember just thinking, like, I think we played when I was on trial because I left Forest and I, I just kind of on trial. And I remember, I think I may have gone to Man City and we played you guys 
Yeah. I remember turning up in the little minibus and I saw like <laughs> you all week off like walking yeah. in. I was like, oh wow. And then I, I just had an absolute nightmare in the game. And I remember I think Luke Chadwick played in the game and he was yeah. just running rings around everyone. And I was, he could run, he could run Luke. Jesus. Yeah, it was scary. But no, I mean it, to obviously being in that scenario, in that situation, coming out of Lee Shaw and obviously being one of the best strikers in the country at that time, and then just to be involved in that environment must have been tough. And it's one of those things that obviously you're going to look back on fond memories and, and things like that. I mean, what what was it like working, say, day in day out with Alex Ferguson and people like that? Well, it was it was good because you were so close to it. It was there were the reserves in the first team, so it was very very close. Mm. Uh, the first team trained by themselves, but then you had the reserves, and then every now and again you'd you'd you'd, you'd jump in or you'd have to be set up as a team. But mm. when you played your reserve games, it was full of first team players that weren't playing in the first team. So it was the the atmosphere and environment was was completely different than what it is now for an eighteen year old. Yeah. I was sat in the change room and I've been I I played in games and you know you've got me and Ollie and and Teddy Sheringham and and John O'Shea and John John Curtis and. You know, all these players playing in the reserves that, are, that have played loads of premiership games. So the level of the reserves for United was unbelievable just to get into that team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was it was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can imagine. Well, moving forward, do you think from an athlete's perspective, I know obviously we're both former footballers, but more so on a on a kind of generic approach, do you think there's more help needed for athletes when it comes to Kind of transitioning from sports to another career, maybe not having a plan B, but maybe like an extent an extension of plan A. Yeah, I I think so. I think I think definitely. I think for like you have so you don't realize how much time you have on your on your hands. Mm. You finish training, and I think that you can do. You've got to do something else, but there definitely needs to be some type of system or structure or support. Mm. that brings these players to do it because they're not a lot of them aren't going to do it on their own backs you know mm. the, it, and I think it needs to be built into some type of program um, where they have to do it I know they do the the, the college stuff and, and the other things but it's it, for me it's it's not the danger is not 18 or 16 to, to 21 mm. the danger for footballers really is when you leave your club and you become more of an adult at 23 mm. that window between 23 and 30 where you you're in and out of clubs, you're in and out of contracts, you you know, you, have, you start to have a family, you start to get a completely different dynamic of your life, you know, you've got mm. houses, mortgages. So mm. you that's where I think the support needs to be, but then who steps in because, you mm. know, you might be on your club for two years. So yeah. it'd be nice if Premier League could do something. Mm. No, 100%. It's, it's a tough one and it's, it's, it's hard finding that kind of um, infinite or, or definite answer. Um, and, and again, like you said, we all, know, we, we, we all agree and would say mm. help is needed or, you know, a bit of mentoring, a bit of support, guidance, definitely, because you can get lost in this system. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it where, 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 do you, where does an organisation step in? Because mm. is it any different for an actor? You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're an actor that's, that's going for auditions all the time and you're not getting them and you're out of work, mm. or if you're a dancer or if you do a different type of sport. So I know football, I think with football, I think everyone just thinks they should do it because it's it's in your face all the time. It's 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 mm. top level. There's, there's billions of pounds of money being spent. Mm. But I, I just think some of the money could be distributed better. 
hundred percent. Yeah, into another area. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. Um, in terms of advice, have you got any advice for any athlete? I mean, let's call it footballers. Any advice for footballers when it comes to transitioning from sport to another career and kind of what their outlook should be? Um, find something they enjoy doing mm. that is non-football related. Um, develop a passion alongside what you're doing and mm. so that you can maybe navigate into that type of area. I mean, I, I sort of, when I finished, I sort of just kind of like fell into different areas. It was like, I didn't, I, I'll go to uni and I'll I'll try that and then oh, I'll go and do teaching and then I'll try that. And then very fortunate then I got into coaching and I've been there 10 years and I never thought I'd be a coach um, mm. working in recruitment. So, yeah, I, I would definitely tell any young player to, obviously you've got the, the basics, work hard, stay focused, stay committed, mm. stay humble. Um, yeah. but do a lot of, you know, do stuff away from football. You know, mm. do a bit of research into what you like as a passion, and mm. then see, then see if you can plan for after football. Mm. No, hundred percent agree with that, and and that's amazing advice. Um, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for your obviously your no, time. No, hopefully, no. we'll catch up hopefully in the summertime. Well, it's it's good to see you. It's good to see you. it's been too long. We've got that reunion coming in. Um, when is it June? Yeah, I think it's June, so I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait to yeah, you yourself and all the boys and that. Um, if you want to just let everyone know again, like, what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and if you are on social media, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, listen, I've been, I work at Man City, I work in the academy, um, you know, helping develop players to improve, done it for the last 10 years. Um, so I don't know really where I'm going to go next. <laughs> I just yeah. seem to be we just seem to be in a really good position at the moment, the way the club's working and developing um, mm. academy players. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm on social media, you know, Facebook or Instagram. You can you find me on there. I'm not massive on social media, but uh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Me too. Nah, again, appreciate your time. Um, again, we'll catch up and, uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. All the best, well, Pleasure mate. talking to you, Dan. Pleasure talking. Mate. See you later, Fitzy. See you later, pal. Take care, mate.